0: Welcome to God's Planning, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, friends. Welcome back to God's Planning. My name is Father Patrick Briscoe, and I'm joined today by Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic, the vocation director of the province of St. Joseph. Father is in Washington, D.C. I'm here in Providence. We are more than six feet apart.
1: Yes, we're a little further apart
0: than six <laughs> feet, so no, no problem keeping social distancing there. In fact, uh, no problem really keeping social distance in religious life. Actually, I think I think that I think this is the time when friars, in particular, uh, are are prone to survive. Our our religious life was basically set up for one kind of quarantine, right?
1: Yeah, I think you know the we kind of we're around each other all the time, but we don't always want to be around each other all the time. So at least in the house, this has created an excuse not to be around each other all the time or to like walk, keep a couple feet from people you don't want to be around. So there are, there are blessings. Yeah. I can't talk to you. Excuse me. I have
0: to, I have to self isolate.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm (laughs) isolated. So. Um, I feel isolated. I want to isolate. Actually, it's less of a, it's less of a, I want to isolate myself and more, I want you to be isolated from me so we can adopt that (laughs) policy in (laughs) the communities for the sake of sanity or something like that. We should
0: put up a list in the chapter meeting, you
1: know, Brothers Recommended for (laughs) self-isolation. That's right. Yeah. I think it'll work well all around. Um,
0: Survivor, Dominican quarantine
1: version. We can vote people (laughs) off. It'll be great. That would be a fun, but, a fun, like live stream <laughs> series. So <laughs> we could do that. People would maybe. tune into that. They would watch think so. It. Yeah. But, on but a, maybe, on a, I don't know. I was going to say on it like a more serious note, it is it is true that like for us, we've kind of, we've been self isolated, self quarantined, shelter in place, whatever kind of title in our communities. Um, for us, I, Father, I don't know how long it's been for you. We're just over two weeks doing that. So kind of trapped in the priory on the priory grounds we're allowed to like go off for a walk or a run but otherwise we're kind of we're kind of here I, of course we have the tremendous blessing here at the house of studies and like all of our communities of having the regular prayer schedule but also here at the house of studies having the class schedule so the, the dominicans who live here are still teaching and going to class so yeah we're, we're blessed with this kind of with this normalcy in the house which i think is keeping us sane you know if everything were just sort of change and different, like it is for a lot of other people, it's a lot, that's that's a lot harder, I would imagine, you know. Right, no, it's true, like the the the,
0: the, orarium, the schedule of our life, it's a real blessing. Up here at um, Providence College, it's it's really sad. Our students aren't here. Um, and so campus is just very quiet. Um, the classes that I have, you know, I'm continuing to teach like so, like so many others, um, online and i i have to say the transition went um up much better than i thought it was going to go you know the resources that were offered from the school were really phenomenal and um the that so there were so many staff and um and faculty members that availed themselves and, and just offered so much help so that so that transition was done i think the best way to could possibly be done but it's the fact of the matter is being across a computer screen from someone it's just not the same as being in the classroom and for me as an extrovert that's really difficult
1: yeah for sure for sure but i'm glad to hear that it's gone well the transition it seems like it has here as well because there we do have lay students and and non-dominican um students who are studying here. So they're, they're all doing the sort of distance learning, the remote kind of lectures uh, on right. Zoom and stuff like that. So some, right. the, the, there are there are Zoom lectures, but the brothers who live here, we live with our professors. So it's not like, you know, we're together the rest of the time, so they might as well be together for class. But anyhow, we're, we're kind of carrying on. We had this really beautiful Eucharistic procession on our property yesterday after the Sunday mass, which was which was pretty awesome. So it was almost the whole community, uh, process just around the property, but, uh, chanting the penitential Psalms as it sort of drizzled down on us. It was, it was kind of beautiful. It was moving. So it was pretty cool. Wow.
0: Outside? Yeah.
1: Outside. Yeah. Outside, and yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, oh, around, the loop incredible. around the back. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it wasn't really raining. It was kind of misty, but it was, it was pretty cool. So offering our prayers up for, for all of you, for everybody who's you know suffering in these times and um, yeah, doing, doing what we can, even though we're kind of stuck here. So that's what's going on.
0: Yeah, but ours is basically the same. We've we've taken on different penances to um, praying for people, especially who are who are suffering from COVID, and um, and remembering, and especially like doctors and nurses who are really um, mm. who are really going above and beyond um, in so many ways, really putting themselves at great risk, right, taking care of everyone. So
1: yeah, sure. I, th- I think
0: that I think most of our Dominican communities are are doing things like that, and that's been yep. moving to see. I also couldn't believe how about that letter from the provincial, huh? where there were yeah. friars, there was that line. For me, it's one of the most edifying things that I've, that I've heard um, from the Brethren in a long time where there was that line from the provincial that he said, I just want to thank all the brothers who volunteered to go to New York uh, to assist in the hospital chaplaincy. Um, at the present time, your services aren't necessary. Some, you know, like the line was something like that, right? Yeah. But the, 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 the Brethren were writing the provincial and saying, oh, I'll go to New York. You know, yeah. I'm willing to go, does anybody need to go? That, that, that there were guys willing to do that, I think is just so, so yeah.
1: incredible. Yeah, it's inspiring, that's for sure. Reassuring too, that even even the spirit of of charity and these sorts of things is is alive. Even if you can't do it, it's still the disposition to, to want to serve and, and that sort of thing, so.
0: But that's yeah. the kind of thing, you know, that we have to look for, right, in, in times like this and, and really say like, wow, that was a sign of hope. But another thing that I found, um, really moving um, was on Sunday morning, Bishop Tobin asked all the churches of Providence to ring their bells.
1: Oh yeah. That's been happening in a number of dioceses. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's cool.
0: So. That was gorgeous. So you could hear, um, I could hear bells. So of course we rang them on campus at Providence College at St. Pius church across the street. And then I could hear bells from the neighboring parishes too from St. Augustine's and blessed sacrament it was great. Uh, yeah,
1: that's very cool. So great. Well, we're still but in today's Lent. Today's
0: episode. Yeah, back to that. We're still
1: in Lent, uh, which is kind of strange. It kind of feels like, at least to me, that we've been in Lent for a long time, but it hasn't been like an uber laborious Lent because there have been so many distractions from it. So and it's kind of a strange feeling that, you know, we're, we're crawling through Lent. And, but in any case, we're still in our back to basics series, um, focusing on uh, practices, whether penitential or spiritual, to help kind of keep us in in this penitential season and keep us focused on preparing for Easter, which is like less than two weeks away now. That's crazy. I can't can't believe it. Um, So this week we thought we'd talk about a holy hour anyways, and um, how to make a holy hour, and and what's good about a holy hour, and those sorts of things. So um, that's that's what we're gonna look at for a little bit today, kinda walk through um, some of that with you all. Now one thing that people don't really know about a holy hour, right,
0: um, is that is it the, or, the origins of this practice. You know, sometimes you'll hear Catholics when they start to come alive in the spiritual life, they say, oh, I started making a daily holy hour. Or there are programs that recommend it, right? Like there's Exodus 90, the men's program, or um, I think it's Fiat 90, the the um I the think that's program. right, yeah. Uh, I haven't so tried Fiat so 90,
1: so I have less to say. <laughs> yeah, nor, that, neither but. have I. I really can only
0: <laughs> talk about Exodus 90, yeah. being a man. Um, so, so different programs recommended, Fulton Sheen, would talk about the importance of um, making a making a holy hour, right? Uh, but it, this is not um, some kind of modern or recent innovation, right? Um, the, the origins yeah. of the holy hour are very important.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can look all the way back to, to, to the scriptures, to the gospels, um, particularly uh, the gospel of Matthew. Mark mentions that as well. Um, during our Lord's... Um, agony in the garden when he went with some of his disciples to pray. Um, there's that line from Matthew 26. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter, enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, so we may ask like, why one hour? You know, it's a very obvious kind of when you read that line from the scriptures, it's a very obvious reason why why an hour. It's because it's our, our Lord asks that of his, disciples, ask that of his, of his followers. And the thing that I find kind of particularly, particularly, I don't know, interesting, it's not that it's an hour. I mean, it, yeah, that's fine. Great. We know it's an hour. But is, <laughs> is the reason for it to watch and pray that we may not enter into temptation? Um, our Lord warns us to sort of be prepared. He also, in that, warns us that we're going to be tempted in our life. He doesn't say watch and pray so that you not be tempted. He says, watch and pray so that you may not enter into the temptation. Um, so our, our prayer, our time with the Lord is not for the sake of kind of removing um, what is what is going to come, the temptations, the difficulties, our weaknesses, even the joys of, of our life, but that we may live them well, as it were. You know, we may fit, face temptation with some strength um, and, and those sorts of things. There's this line from St. Jerome that I love is... Um, Uh, regarding uh the the holy hour and sort of preparing for that hour i think it's from his commentary actually on this passage he says that um this this warning to watch and pray is against those rash persons who think that whatever they believe they can perform the more confident we are of our zeal the more mistrustful should we be of the frailty of the of the flesh i love that it's like oh wow you know remember to be humble because you don't yeah, know what's going to come yeah. and but for the grace of god how you might react in those in those and fa- in the face of that temptation um so i like right. that saint jerome's kind of like you think you're tough mm, <laughs> <I> think, again, <laughs> hold on, you. pump the brakes
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so when i when i was in college
0: seminary that's when i first learned about this uh, discipline of the holy out right it's a thing that's encouraged in seminary and religious formation across the board a typical thing to be encouraged and um, I was uh, very excited about um, this 40 hours of Eucharistic adoration that we were going to do in the seminary Right, kind of all-night adoration. So what slot did I sign up for? 3 a.m.? 3 a.m. Of course, the hardest one, the worst one, right? Um, middle of the so night. So <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: I signed up for the middle of the night slot, and it was the worst hour of my life. It was <laughs> It was terrible. I thought, oh, this will be great. You know, I'll will do the difficult thing, and uh, that's going to be good. And so for, from then on, whenever we did uh, all night adoration, both there at the house of studies, I was looking for like the seven p.m.s. You know, oh, I'll go first.
1: <laughs> yep. No, I got that for sure. I'm with you. That breaking of sleep <laughs> is actually this is another complaint about a holy hour. So when when we were actually when we when Father Patrick and I were beginning to apply to the order when we came on a vocation weekends at that time they were the house was hosting basically from it was saturday night into sunday all night adoration so you would sign up for a slot and wake up break sleep and then go down to the chapel and make a holy hour but on my vocation weekend there was a very large weekend and there were a number of us sleeping in one larger room kind of like sleeping bags pillows whatever kind of cramming in for the weekend which was the worst idea in the world because that meant for like the 12 of us in that room that every hour throughout the entire night, you didn't have to just get up for your holy hour. You got up for everybody's holy hour. So I remember waking up the next morning. I was not happy. But mm, you, there's some suffering to go through with it. But that's just fine. So in any case. But keep, keeping,
0: keeping watch, right? that was That's where I started to run, wander off. That's where, that's where this mm-hmm. idea began We're before come I back. totally sidetracked myself by... Talking about my own my own failures <laughs> in prayer, but um, the, the there's something so beautiful about um, keeping vigil with Christ. But the Lord's invitation to make a holy hour is to is to keep watch, to be awake. You know, to to see to see things as Christ sees them, to have the strength, as you were saying, um, to uh, to not fall into temptation. Not the temptation would would be removed from our lives, but the that we could have the strength to resist
1: yeah. it. It's sort of an imitation of Christ in some ways. You know, we're with Christ in the holy hour, but Christ went to the garden to pray and, and throughout the scriptures and throughout his life to pray and be with the father, you know, so he invites us to to mimic him, to imitate him, to be conformed to him in this way of, of prayer, which is which is beautiful. It's a very Christ-like thing to do. Uh, we might lose sight of that because we're going to, you know, kneel to a door before our Lord for the hour, but we do that because he's there, but also because... That's what he did you know so it's it's a way of, for us to to follow to really be disciples of of Christ and it's interesting to look sort of over um the history of the church and how these things develop right because it wasn't right after the, the resurrection, for example, that people were making a holy hour before the blessed sacrament exposed in a monstrance and receiving benediction, you know, like these traditions take time <laughs> to right, right, Um right. And we really see this, like we can look at some of the fathers and they're speaking about reserving the blessed sacrament. And mostly this was to administer the sacrament to the sick who weren't able to come to mass, but we, we see the development through, through the centuries, particularly in the middle ages with the institution of um, the solemnity of Corpus Christi um, by Pope Uh, Urban IV in 1264, Um, and for Corpus Christi, he asked St. Thomas to write sort of the liturgical texts for the Mass and the Divine Office, so a lot of the traditional Eucharistic hymns that we're used to were written by St. Thomas, uh, which is a really beautiful thing. Actually, I believe Father Gregory and I talked about that in our episode back in January on St. Thomas around his feast day, about him writing for Corpus Christi, so if you're interested in hearing more about that, check back on a couple episodes. But even if we look forward to the present, this sort of recent pontificates, we see time and again the Second Vatican Council, Paul VI, John Paul II, uh, Benedict XVI, time and again these, the Holy Fathers exhorting people to make holy hours, and, in particular to take this hour of adoration. Uh, Paul is, uh, John Paul II said this, that the church and the world have a great, fran- a great need of Eucharistic worship. Jesus waits for us in the sacrament of love. Let us be generous mm. with our time and going to meet him in adoration and in contemplation that is full of faith. I love that. He waits for us in the sacrament of love. That's mm. really beautiful. Right. Right.
0: The second Vatican council says, you know, in a very direct way um, that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. Right. And that, for, that refers um, directly to this, to the sacrifice of the mass um, to, to, our, to our Eucharistic worship um, properly. But then there's there's, a, there's an extension, um, there's an extension there from the mass into Eucharistic adoration. So it's um, it's not it's not a surprise then that, that Christians say, okay, well, you know, if we if we if we could just extend the time that we're able to be with Christ from the mass into um, reserving the Blessed Sacrament, right? Um, you know, there's a there's a natural there's a natural extension there from wanting to wanting to be with Jesus as the as the apostles were on that night when they made that first holy hour um, where they kept watch and prayed with Christ. There's a natural extension, wanting to be with the real presence of Jesus who's present in the Mass, um, flowing out just to, just to sit with Him, to keep watch and pray with Him into um, Eucharistic worship. Um, but of course now. We have difficulties with that, um, because of all, all of the precautions um, that we're taking, we're under quarantine now. So when we come back, we're gonna be talking about um, the spirituality of the Holy Hour, what can be done now, even in quarantine, um, and how we, can, how we can keep watch and pray um, with the Lord, even if we're not able to, to make it to a church. Um, so hang in there, we'll be right back after this short break. Mm. This is Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at org slash godsplaining. Okay, welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening to God's Godsplaining. We've been talking about uh, making a holy hour. We, we were developing the, the origins and showing the, the the extension of Eucharistic worship and what it means to be in the presence of the Lord and um, to keep watch and to pray with Him. Um, but right now... Um, right now because of covid because of all the all the restrictions on us uh, many people are not able to get to churches so in some places churches are still open and if you're able we'd encourage you um to to continue to make a visit to the blessed sacrament if you if 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 you're able if that's not a risk for you uh but if your bishop has closed churches um what do you do father jacob pertrick can you tell us a little bit about making a holy hour um if you're not able to be in the presence of the eucharist
1: yeah i think that I guess even in my own experience, and I'm sure yours too, Father. Um, talking to other people too, that when when we're sort of when the like normal kind of environment for prayer for us is changed, prayer becomes very difficult. It's very hard to adjust. So, like I experience this a lot when I go home for my when I visit my family on my home visits. That is very hard for me to sort of to pray. I mean, obviously, I'm removed from the priory, removed from the orarium, that kind of thing. But it's even just the environment. It's just hard to sort of maintain a kind of like recollection or these sort of things um and i know from talking to other people like coming home from campus from college and being away from the campus it's just like difficult so i think the first right. thing is that we have to acknowledge that there's because of the change it's difficult it's a challenge to sort of it's it's a real difference to be able to kind of kneel down in a church or stand in a church whatever kind of position you adopt during a holy hour it doesn't matter um and and for example having to do that with like Perhaps the blessed sacrament exposed, sort of like through a live stream on your computer, like that's really different. Um, that doesn't mean that our we can't spend time in prayer and that graces aren't afforded and these sorts of things. But I, I only mention that because I think we have to recognize that the the change in environment is is poses a, a difficulty, a challenge. We have to adopt, we have to acclimate, etc. So it's okay if we find if we find it difficult to to pray as we're accustomed to. Um, just that being acknowledged, I think is important. That being although that's although that may be the case um, I think that the principles of like making a holy hour of what to do are are still applicable. They still um, should be followed. And I think the first thing here is is to build the habit. We can't expect ourselves to do things that we're not habituated to. So like if you're not right if you've never made a holy hour in your life saying that I'm going to make a holy hour every day for the next for the rest of my life, it's probably not the most prudential decision to make. I, I'm sure we talked about this earlier in some of our Lenten episodes that, like, especially with penance and stuff, we have to acclimate to it. We have to become habituated to it. So it's like a New Year's resolution. Like, I'm going to lose like 40 pounds. I've never been on a diet before. This will be fine. It's like two weeks later, it's like <laughs> I'm eating the chocolate cake again. And, you know, it's like, so same thing with the holy hour. We have to build up to it. Um, I don't know if you've had that experience with with your within your own spiritual life father but i know that i do and that 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 building of a habit takes time and patience and that sort of thing
0: yeah absolutely i mean one of the one of the things that can be daunting is that people can have misconceptions of what it means to make a holy hour right like they could say okay i'm going to sit and not think about anything but god you know some kind of vague commitment to thinking about god for 60 minutes okay and then you know, they you look at your watch. watch and it's like <laughs> and 30
1: minutes.
0: seconds has gone by. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh, this is going to be terrible. Um, so I think, so I think one, one, one thing, one thing that people need to know um, as you, as you think, okay, you know, how, how can I renew this practice or build this practice in my life? Is that making holy hour does not mean 60 minutes of uninterrupted meditation necessarily. That may become um, what, what you long for. But at the beginning, it's important just to, Um, to to have a little bit of a plan um, for how your holy hour is going to go. So I often, um, I often in in my own meditation, um, which is required for Dominicans by our constitutions, um, in my own meditation, I often begin by praying prayers of intercession. You know, people have asked me to pray for things, uh, or these are the concerns of my own heart. And I just sort of spend the first I don't know, probably 10 minutes of my prayer, just, just getting off of my chest, all of that, just, th- just throwing it all at the Lord. Um, and for me, that allows me to then move, um, that, al- that allows me to be vulnerable to whatever Christ wants to reveal to me, right? Because I've said, okay, I've said my piece, and I've, gotten, I've gotten things right. off my chest, and then, then I'm able to be um, led by the Lord. So, so how do you begin?
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think what you said about having a plan is, is spot on. Um, that's perfect. I always begin my period of meditation very simply. I you know, this might sound like uber rudimentary, but it's what I do. So, you know, it sit down or kneel down, make the sign of the cross. I usually sit when I pray, I make the sign of the cross. I won't be, I won't pretend to be more pious than I am. I sit, I usually don't kneel, but <laughs> uh, I said kneel because, you know, I want you to think that I'm like, like uber devout. It's not true. So, uh, so uh, so I sit I make the sign of the cross and then I pray and our Father a hail Mary and a glory be and I just like that's rote you know I don't even think about doing that now it's just like the practice of what I do um, mm-hmm. and then I too I too inter pray pray the intercessions that are that are on my heart that people have asked me to pray for particular people i um I remember I often you know being a vocation director vocations are always on my mind so praying for the men who are applying and you know just the work of, of that sort of thing and um yeah, and I think that, but having that plan of this is how I begin, this is what I, what I spend the beginning, middle, end, however you want to divide it. One thing I saw um, in the past about making a holy hour, sort of dividing it into three or four sections, either 15 minutes blocks or 20-minute blocks of, you know, this is time for intercessory, intercessory prayer, this is time with scripture, this is time with Thanksgiving, this is time just adoring, um, or however you want to break it down. I'm, in my mind, I'm very flexible on these sorts of things. I think you have to find what works for you. But I think having a plan relieves the stress of like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Um, It's like you have these times. And even if it's kind of rote at the beginning, it becomes a habit where it becomes more natural. But I think that having that plan, especially if you're home, right, especially if you're home now, and you don't have the opportunity to go to the church to have that plan, even if you you know, you can make 30 minutes or 15 minutes before things become too crazy. But knowing that this is, this is what I'm going to do. But in the end, I think it's very important to have, um, have that time in silence and allow that to really be the focus. Like that's the end of what we're getting at because our Lord speaks to our hearts in silence and he he reveals himself to us in the silence of our hearts. Um, so we have to work and sort of, uh, have that be the, the end of what we're doing i think everything else in a way is kind of preparatory for that i don't know if what you think about that but it's kind of the intercession the intercession the the that we might do the spiritual reading what we might do all of this kind of prepares us just to kind of like father patrick was saying we kind of leave it before the lord we kind of prepare our hearts and then we we're with him you know we we're just with him and even if that's for a few minutes but that that's 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 the end of it um that's the end of it one of I cited a couple quotes already, but I, I, when I was reading a bit of from Mother Teresa and I found this, and this was really beautiful and I think connects to um, to Father Patrick's point about the connection between a holy hour and mass and, um, and sort of the crucifix and, and adoring. And Mother Teresa said that when you look at the crucifix, you understand how much Jesus loved you then. When you look at the sacred host, you understand how much Jesus loves you now. Uh, I, I find that to be to be really powerful just to be able to know that our Lord is sitting there and waiting for you. Jesus waits for us in the sacrament of love, as Saint John Paul II said. Um so we want to build towards that that silence, towards that adoration. Um I think another thing that's a problem, I think everything's a problem. That's a great <laughs> way to introduce something. Let, I got let a me problem. tell you and
0: and um, another thing.
1: Yeah. Is but seriously though it's how we how we deal with distraction. Right. During all these things. I don't know if you have recommendations for what you do to kind of ward off or sort of deal with it, but I mean, it, it's a perpetual enemy. I will <laughs> perhaps in principle that maybe not in practice. <laughs>
0: um, I think one, one thing that one thing that's really important is that, um, prayer is an input output game. And if you, if you've done no remote work to prepare yourself for the moment of prayer, um, when that when the time comes, um, you, you are left scrambling with immediate preparation, right? So, uh, in my own personal experience, I have found that the, um, profundity of my holy hour, if one can call it such a thing, because, you know, we, we can't really measure whether or not something is successful. Um, we don't, we don't know the Lord, the Lord takes all these things and rewards them according to his graces and designs. Um. But I have found that my prayer, according to me, is usually better if I do a lot of spiritual reading. That the two, the two are intimately linked. That if I'm not putting good things in, um, when it comes time for things to come out, you know, in prayer, um, it's it's usually more of a struggle. So I I think that what we have to recognize is that. Uh, this practice of spiritual reading, which has fallen by the wayside for a lot of people, needs to be recovered. Um, spiritual reading just consists of re- reading the works of the saints, reading theology, um, reading um, reading noble things that lift up your spirits, that dispose you to think about God at
1: the right time. So that, that we That's have to my, feed, that's my you, have, you have to feed the mind, and you know, faith is faith is a virtue of, is is a virtue of the mind. It's an act of the intellect. So that's something I think that you're, you're, you're absolutely right about is that we can't just expect, um, sort of grow in the spiritual life if we're not feeding ourselves with the things of the spiritual life. Um, and, and as you said, it's, it's not this, this time with our Lord is not something that we, we are, we're not able to demand grace or sort of effects from it, but we are able to prepare well for it. And, and I think that's spot on. It's like what we can't we can't expect to watch like six hours of Netflix and turn it off and then make a holy hour. Like it's just not going to (laughs) work. Not going to happen. I mean, you can watch a Netflix show, but like, but that's not, we can't, we can't pretend that that doesn't affect sort of the sensitivity of our souls and of our spiritual life. We have to, we have to prepare, um, prepare for that. So I was thinking too, this is another kind of tangential story, but still about a holy hour. Uh, I think the first time, at least my first memory of a conversation with father Patrick was in the novitiate. So we weren't yet novices, we were living at the novitiate. And this was the night before we were going to receive the habit. And the night before there was all night adoration. Um, But we started, I think we might have started with the holy hour together, or at least for exposition, we were in the chapel together. And there were, the habits were near the altar. They were folded, we had not, you know, we were gonna be vested in them the next next evening. Um, But they also had candles out, obviously, for the holy hour, which were pretty close to the habits. Too close.
0: Too close. And I, in my sort of like OCD,
1: whatever, I I leaned over to Father Patrick and I was like, those habits. I said something like, those habits are going to catch on fire or like really worried, like I'm not letting my habit catch on fire. So I don't think, I know I've told Father Patrick this. I certainly haven't told like my novice master or anything, but during my adoration slot later that night, I went into the sanctuary (laughs) and moved the habits away from (laughs) the candles (laughs) because I was so worried about them catching on fire. It's like, I... I want that habit tomorrow that's not catching on fire. So that was my preparation for the holy hour that night to make sure that the candles and habits were far enough apart that they wouldn't burn down. Um, but that was also a distraction. So I did what I could <laughs> to get rid of the distraction all the same. It's so good. So as, you know, as we're thinking about kind of these weeks of Lent, these times that we are really separated from what would normally be um normally be kind of the the routine of preparing for easter um mass confession deeper prayer i i i think my recommendation at this point one of my recommendations i always have a recommendation but is is that we need we need not be tempted to 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 sort of take a lax route because the rest of the world is kind of in chaos or the rest of our lives is in chaos. Our spiritual life ought not be, lack, uh, be lessened because of that. I think, in fact, we ought to double down on these last couple of weeks of Lent or last whatever, 10 days of Lent, that we ought to double down on prayer. We ought to double down on, on the penance that we've undertaken during Lent and not, not give those up because those are the things that prepare us to receive our Lord. Those are the things that strengthen us, as St. Jerome said, when the, te- when the flesh is weak, when we're faced with temptation, if, if we sort of pull back on, on what is really most important, our relationship with Christ and those disciplines that lead us to a more intimate kind of relationship with him, I think we're, we're looking at things in, in, in the wrong way. I'm not saying we all have to put on a hair shirt and take on these incredible penances that we're not used to, but I am saying that, you know, let's recommit. You know together in these last these last weeks of lent as we head towards easter let's recommit to pray for each other to do penance for each other um that you know we may survive well in our sort of self-quarantine self-isolation whatever they're calling it um but that our souls may also you know kind of begin to flourish as we near the resurrection
0: i couldn't agree more now is the time for charity and charity begins with our love for god and it flows from our flows from our love for God to others. Um, and now, this moment, when an abundance of charity is needed for uh, for the Church, for Christians throughout the world, for uh, for every suffering soul, um, we have a special duty to build up the disposition of charity. So, in these last days, as as Father said, you know, I, I too would like to encourage you during this Holy Week, sanctify, it. make it holy by praying a holy hour every day. Do it, do it for Christ, do it for the love of your family. Do it out of gratitude for so many people who are putting their own lives on the line uh, and you will be enriched by it. Jesus will pour forth an abundance of graces and blessings in your soul. So that's it for this week's episode on the holy hour. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Please, please share uh, these episodes with people that you think could be encouraged by them. Um, or at the very least entertained, <laughs> we, we, we do some of that too. We, we, might, we might accidentally edify you by, by entertaining you. Uh, please, please continue to share episodes, spread the word about the podcast. Um, know of our prayers um, for, for you, for your families, uh, for your health, and um, above all, for the graces that the Lord is going to give to us um, this Holy Week and this Easter tide. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.